haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Jasmine Ward, and I have the privilege of serving on staff here at LifePoint College. Yes, I promise I'm not here to recruit you, although I will say if you're thinking about it, just do it. I haven't met anybody that's regretted it. Text LC College to 94,000, and we're all set. We're done. We're done. We're done. So in addition to getting to be in that role, which is um, one of the greatest joys of my life, I'm also a wife and a mother. I think there's going to be a picture of my family up here in just a moment. Um, You'll get to meet them a little bit. But that's my husband, Jordan, love of my life. We've been together since college. My two kids, Zuriel, who is uh, three and a half, and Kira, who is almost two. So yes, we live in a household full of terrorists. I mean toddlers. And uh, this shirt does a good job of camouflaging it, but we actually have a third one on the way that'll be here this summer. Yeah, so you're looking at a picture of two certifiably insane adults because we have chosen to outnumber ourselves with little people, but um, I love them and I just thought I'd share them with you guys for a moment. So, hey, there's a lot of us in the room. We come from a lot of different experiences and a lot of different backgrounds, and I think it might be helpful for us together before we dive into the Word to find something that unifies us, that unites us, that kind of brings us all together, a common experience that we all have. And I'm going to share, it's, a, it's an item that we find in our everyday lives, and maybe ladies, as soon as I pull it out, you're going to know exactly what it is. Uh, men, you might be perplexed, but I know that you've seen them before in your life. They're these things. Some of you ladies in the room might actually have one on your wrist right now. Raise your hand if you've got one on your wrist. Mm-hmm. It's like a piece of jewelry. But they're, uh, oftentimes they're these little black, kind of rubbery, stretchy. Maybe you find them around your house. In my house, they're in the shower, on the shower floor, on the bathroom counter, the kitchen counter, in the bottom of my bag, on the kitchen countertops, everywhere, on the, the gear shift in my car. It's a hair tie. Like, who thought a hair tie would be the thing that could unite us? Hey, for my young people over here, I've been told these make really great Xbox controller, like you can hold your battery pack onto the Xbox controller. And then I've even heard that now it's the thing that if you're in high school, the girls will give their scrunchie to their boyfriend to let the other girls know that he's there. So, hey, babe, even though we have beautiful, expensive rings, I want everyone to know he's mine. So... But we use these hair ties uh, and we use them because they're stretchy and they're elastic and you can pull them, you can twist it. We use it, I'm a mom, so I have a mom bun most of the time. It holds my hair up. Sometimes we tie a hair up. You can use these for all kinds of things and we, we use them because they're stretchy like that and they rebound after you pull them. But a lot of times you find them everywhere around your house because, well, they've lost that tension. I have one right here that I would absolutely not trust a ponytail to this one because it's... <laughs> not stretchy at all. And we, we end up just kind of tossing them aside because once they lose that rebound and that resilience, it makes it really difficult for them to fulfill the purpose that they were created for. And while we are far, far, far more important and more complicated than a hair tie, I think that principle can apply to us too. That, hey, we get stretched and we get pulled and life pulls us in different directions and unexpected things happen and we get pulled. But when we can't bounce back from that, we lose the ability to fulfill the purpose that we were designed and created for. And maybe you're new to this space or you're new to your journey with Jesus, or maybe you just need reminding, but I want to tell you, you were made on purpose for a purpose, okay? You're not an accident. 
you have a purpose and it's to glorify God and to make Jesus known to others, but we've got to be able to be resilient. We've got to be able to bounce back in life. So if there's anything that I can tell you that you don't need someone who's not Pastor Daniel to come up here and tell you about, it's that life is going to throw you punches. We all have those calls that come in that are unexpected that take us by surprise. The job that we think we're going to get or have forever, it's gone in a second. We get a call from the doctor with a diagnosis on a report that we weren't expecting, or maybe you've sent off that application to your dream college instead of the big packet coming in the mail, you get the little envelope and you know what that means and you go, man, that's not what I expected. Or you just mess up and you feel like you failed. We all know that's going to happen. And I trust the words of Jesus and Jesus says in the scriptures, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. Maybe right now you're living in that tension of, yeah, I haven't been so resilient. I haven't been able to bounce back. I feel like my life isn't measuring up to all that I know God has for me because there's damage that's done when we live a life where we can't rebound from what's happened to us. There are relationships that get broken. There are dreams that pass us by. Maybe even the very fullness of our relationship with God isn't at the level that it could be because we haven't been able to bounce back. So we've got to be resilient. We want to be resilient. We know we need to be resilient. And even right now in the room, some of you might be thinking, you're charged up and you're like, yeah, let's go. I want to be resilient. I just need to get a little bit stronger and I need to be a little bit more determined and focused and I'm just, I'm going to do it in my own strength and my own power. And then there's others of you in the room right now that you're going, it'll never be me. I'm just built different. I wasn't made to be resilient. That's not a characteristic in me. It just takes me a long time to bounce back and things just really get me down. And I want to stop everyone right there and tell you, I don't think that that's what resilience is actually all about. I don't think it's about anything in our own strength that we can do. And I definitely don't think it's about a characteristic that you were born with or a trait that's innate in you. That's not what resilience is about. So what is it about? Well, that's what I get to talk to you about today. I want to introduce you to the most resilient man that I know. His name is Paul, and he is my Bible bestie. Okay, so Paul, if you don't know about Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. He um, has an incredible impact, not only on establishing the early church, he planted churches and wrote them letters, but as Christians today, the very things we believe and practice for ourselves individually and as a church, the big C church across the globe, were heavily influenced by the writings of Paul. So he has this incredible impact, this incredible purpose for Jesus, but we look at his Christian life, and y'all, it was rough. It was a mess. If you haven't met Paul, I encourage you, just go pick up the New Testament and start reading some of his writings and the things that he went through, and it's, it's pretty crazy. So when we meet Paul, his name is actually Saul of Tarsus, and um, he has a decree in his hand to go out and kill Christians because he hates Jesus and anybody that follows them. This is an aside, it's not the message for today, but if you feel like you've ever done anything that disqualifies you from being used by God to expand the kingdom, I want you to meet my Bible bestie, Paul. He was on his way to murder Christians. God wants to use you. It's another message for another day. 
But we meet Paul and he's Saul of Tarsus and he has this incredible conversion where he hears the voice of God speak to him and he calls out and he's been given this purpose and he goes, okay, let's do this. And his life was not all lollipops and butterflies. In fact, in his journey in planting churches and edifying those churches that he planted, I want to talk to you a little bit about Paul's life because it was hard. It was really, really hard. See, Paul was mobbed by an angry group of people, which sounds really terrifying. He received beatings of 40 lashes multiple times, not just once, multiple times. He was shipwrecked. He was snake-bitten. He healed people in the name of Jesus, and those very same people then decided to call him a devil and try to kill him. That sounds pretty rough. He experienced hunger, lack of shelter. He was out abandoned on an island. He was imprisoned. He experienced the mental strife of being alone. I can only imagine emotionally what he felt. When you read some of his writings, he talks about the physical ailments. We know that he lived with what he called a thorn in his side. We don't know what that means exactly, but we know he carried something physically in his body that affected him all the days of his life. He was lonely. He faced betrayal. His life was really, really hard. And yet we see in his journey, Paul kept coming back for more. It's almost insane, but you're like, Paul, how did you do this? How did you take 40 lashes and keep coming back? How did you do that? And that's why I think we have to look at his life and examine what made Paul so resilient, because I want a little touch of that for when life comes at me. And so I think we can find it in the scripture, Galatians 2.20. Paul sees his life in a way that really impacts his ability to bounce back and to rebound from what life had thrown at him. And he says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul wasn't a super fit crossfitter that could lift 300 pounds. He didn't have the mental way to be able to do it in his own strength. He made a choice to give his life completely over to God. And that choice shaped the way he perceived everything that he experienced and his ability to come back from those challenges. See, Paul is saying, I have been crucified with Christ. The me that gets to know what my life is going to be like, the me that gets to set expectations for what's going to happen, the me that gets to control the way I respond to what happened to me, the me that dreamt my own dreams, the me that has my own way, it might as well be nailed up on the cross with Jesus because I've given my life to him wholly. So I'm turning it over to God who's going to set my future because I can trust him. I'm turning it over to God who's told me how to respond even when I'm facing my deepest and darkest trials, Paul chose a posture of surrender to God. And I believe that is at the root of his resilience. So now you're telling me, you just talked to me about how in life we don't need to give up. You said, don't give up. We got to bounce back. But now you're telling me the key to not giving up is to give up? Where is Pastor Daniel? Someone get him back. This lady doesn't know what she's talking about. I love the Bible. I love God's word because so often it does that. 
where what we think is going to be the way, he surprises us and keeps us on our toes with the other way. Like we get to give, not that we give to get. The first shall be last and last shall be first. In order to live, you must die. The king of kings came not to serve or to be served, but to serve. It's often so backwards from what we think it's going to be, but I just love the way God's word does that. And so we think about Paul and all right, he's resilient and he's surrendered. So maybe the way he thinks about surrender is different from the way that I think about surrender. So when I think about surrender, I think like this, like I'm watching a show about terrorists and they've taken a hostage. And I think my perception of surrender is, I'm not gonna get down on my knees because if I did, I'd have to preach the rest of the message from down there because I am seven months pregnant. But just imagine that we're down on our knees and there's, a hot, there's someone hostile towards us behind us and maybe our hands are behind our back or they're behind our head and we're looking down and we feel weak and totally out of control and we know the person who's holding us hostage does not have good plans for us. They probably have really, really bad plans for us in this. And so when I imagine that picture of surrender, I see us looking at it and our perception of surrender is rooted in fear. We're afraid. We're out of control. We don't have any strength to depend on. We don't know what's going to happen to us. There's someone that does not care about us at all that's holding us in that place. But Paul's perception of surrender is something different than that. This is what drove his life to be able to come back time after time and to continue to carry on with God's will. See, Paul, maybe it's still that you're on your knees, but instead of your hands behind your back, your hands are raised to a God who is worthy, that's trustworthy. See, God... Paul heard the voice of God. He knew the power that was in him. When our surrender is like Paul's surrender, we know that it's not a place of weakness. In fact, we know Paul is the one that told us that it's in our weakness that God's power is made perfect. So our surrender is not in a place of weakness. Our surrender is before a holy God who told us that he has our future in his hands, that there's nothing that can pluck us from his hand, that he has good things for us. See, our picture of surrender has to be totally different from the natural natural perception, Paul's surrender is not rooted in fear. It's rooted in power and in purpose, and it changes his perspective on everything that comes his way. And I know that's, that's a little bit challenging for me. So how does Paul see it? How does that change him, his surrender? He knows the power of God the one who he is surrendering to, see his conversion on the road to Damascus. It's after Jesus's death and resurrection, but he's on the way to go kill Christians and he hears the very voice of Jesus call him out. And it changes his life. In fact, he experiences some pretty crazy things. Paul loses his sight until he goes and is obedient to the call that Jesus has just put on his life and he receives his sight back. So he knows this is a powerful God that I'm giving my life to, a powerful God that can change my physical experience, can change my spiritual experience, that can change the trajectory of my life. Paul is the one that wrote one of my life verses, Ephesians 3.20, that says, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than I could ever ask, 
dream, or imagine through his power that is at work in us and through us. See, Paul understood the power of God. And for us, maybe we're not all going to have that road to Damascus moment where we hear the voice of Jesus audibly and physically every day. I would love that, but we might not get that. The way we get to understand God's power, the way we get to get familiar with his character is in his word. We've been given a gift of the Bible. So every day we should return to that and get familiar with it so that when you're feeling that fear creep up, you know, no, I've got a powerful God on my side. The creator of the universe is on my side. The one who has parted seas is on my side. The one who has taken down armies and protected those, he's on my side. We have to return to the word of God to be reminded of his power and we must pray. We must have an open, continual conversation with him. We heard Pastor Tammy last week talk about intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We're not all going to have that road to Damascus moment, but we get to create it. It's in our hands, so pray. I encourage you, read the word of God. Let it take root in your heart so you understand the power that is within you. Pray and experience intimacy with the Holy Spirit. So Paul also knew that his purpose was greater than anything that he faced. In Philippians 1.12, he says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me actually advanced the gospel. And later he says, so what does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. Paul wrote that from being falsely imprisoned. He's in jail. He doesn't know when he's getting out of jail. And he's writing to a church and saying, it doesn't matter what has happened to me because I can see what God is going to do in me and then through me. And it's to advance the mission of the gospel that people would know about Jesus. And we have to be able to understand our purpose in this life is to enjoy God's love, but not to keep it to ourselves. It's to share it with others. And sometimes that's going to come as a result of the very trials that we face. We have to be willing to bounce back, to get back up again, so that we can tell people about the good God who put purpose in us, that loves us, that does not forsake us, and to know that it is going to advance the gospel. That's what we're here for. That is what we're here for. And then we have to accept the greater picture of our everyday lives. Paul could see that this power and this purpose and his struggles and his strife, it changed his perspective on how he lived the rest of his life. See, the Bible tells us it's not Paul's words, but you can find it in um, James 1-2. It says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. How do we get to that place of perfect completion where we know we are lacking nothing and fully dependent on God? It's actually through enduring the trials that come our way. We have to shift our perspective. And so I ask you right now, what are you holding back? Where in your life are you holding back from God? Where in your life are you feeling like surrender to him is rooted in fear and you're afraid and he's asking you to open your hands and to give it to him because he has a greater purpose in it? Maybe it's in a relationship that you're in. 
Maybe, like me, it's in raising your kids and wanting them to grow up in a home that glorifies God, but you're like, man, I don't know what people are going to think of me when I raise my kids this way. Or maybe you've got older kids and it's time to let them go, and that feels so fearful, and you need to surrender them to a God who says, they're in my hand. They were mine before they were ever yours. Maybe it's in deciding what your future is going to look like and you're just so afraid and you're so tied down to something in your past that's keeping you anchored from taking a step forward because you haven't surrendered your future to God. I'm sure all of us can examine our own lives and find that place where we haven't surrendered totally to God. And so we look at Paul's life and we see this surrender and it yields a resilience and we go, okay, there's power, there's purpose in this resilience. It's going to change my perspective, but what about on the other end? What's the reward for this? Because if to everything there's a consequence, good or bad, what's the good consequence of our surrender and of our resilience? Because we know we need to be resilient and we want to be resilient. So what's the benefit? Well, 2 Corinthians 4.16 says this, Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory that is far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal They're short, they're fleeting, they're going to pass away. The things which are not seen are eternal. Now, I said Paul's my Bible bestie. And just like a real-life bestie, sometimes he says things that challenge me. The Bible often does. So maybe you see that scripture and you're like, I'm just not getting very amped up by that because I see the words light and momentary. And I know right now in this room... Some of you are walking through something that does not feel light or momentary. It's happened again and again. Maybe it's just the very nature of the world that we live in. We look around it and we see, God, it is full of darkness and hurt and pain. The things we just prayed for with Brent a little while ago feel so heavy on our hearts. That does not feel light and momentary. How do I come back from that? Or maybe there's something in your own personal circle in your own life that you're walking through right now that you're like, God, this does not feel light or momentary. I can tell you in preparing for this message yesterday, I came and I practiced a little bit and on my way out, I got one of those phone calls that you don't wanna get about someone I was praying for and I was believing for healing and that they'd receive their healing, but it wasn't gonna be here on earth. It was gonna be in the presence of their savior and it rocked my world. It broke my heart and hit me in the gut. And see, I could have... I could have called in today and been like, no, I'm just, it's got me down and I can't do it. But I know that I'm going to trust in what God's word says, that those light and momentary afflictions, we've got to get our eyes off of what is seen and onto Jesus and onto the eternal for what is not seen is producing an eternal glorious weight that's far beyond what we could imagine. Because I want to tell you there's an enemy out there that he would love it. He would love it if you got knocked down and you never got back up and if he could put his foot on your back and keep you there because he wants to blot out the light that's inside of you. He would love it if you never once again spoke a word of joy or of peace or of comfort or God's goodness. 
But I also want to tell you that there is a God who exists outside of time, who looked upon the world at this moment and said, for such a time as this, I want you and I want you and I need you and your voice and your trials and your testimony. I want you to be my voice in the world, in your home, in your community, at your job and in your school. I want to use you because it's through your story someone's going to say, I don't know how you bounce back from that. I don't know what's in you that's not in me, but I want to know more about it. And see, it becomes a cycle. We get pressed, but we become more like Jesus. And when we become more like Jesus, people see it in us and they're hungry for it. They're hungry for the light that's inside of you. And then people are introduced to their savior and their lives are transformed. So it's not light and momentary. There's an eternal impact to our surrender. There's an eternal impact to our resilience. So we need to be resilient. We've got to be resilient because the purpose that's within us is far greater than what we see right before us. Now there is a decision that each of us get to make that's the most important place of surrender. And that's our decision to accept and receive the love of God and the forgiveness of Jesus before we make any other decision of surrender. We need to turn our lives over to him and accept the forgiveness that's ours. See, the Bible tells us that all of us fall short of the glory of God. That's not a condemning statement. That's me, not me trying to make you feel bad. It's just the truth. We make mistakes, but sin is also a part of who we are, but we have a loving God who knew that from the get-go and he had a plan. And his plan was that even while we were still sinners, before we even had the opportunity to choose, he was saying, I'm choosing love. I have chosen to send my son Jesus for you. And the Bible says all we have to do is to accept that Jesus was who God said he was that he came and lived a perfect, sinless life on this earth, doing what we could not do in our own strength. And that he went to the cross on our behalf, taking on the weight of our sin, the consequence, which is a death, a physical death we'll all experience, but an eternal death of separation from God. The Bible says all we have to do is admit that is true, believe it in our hearts and confess it with our mouths and we will be saved the most important act of surrender, saved to an eternity with God, but also to a full and abundant life today. And so if all of us in this room would close our eyes and bow our heads, I truly believe the Holy Spirit is moving in this moment. And there are some of you who have never made that decision before. And today is your day. This is your moment to begin your journey with Jesus. And life isn't gonna get perfect from here on out, but you are going to be given a strength of the spirit inside of you to know that there's a God on your side who lifts his hand out to you and says, my child, let me help you up. So right now, if that's you, I don't wanna embarrass you. You're not gonna be pointed out, but I would just love to know who we're gonna be praying with. If you would raise your hand, if this is the first time that you're gonna be receiving Jesus into your heart, I see you. God sees you, most importantly. We're gonna pray together and there's no magical power in the words that I'm going to say. It's just the beginning of a conversation with you and God. And because we're a family and no one does anything by themselves, we're gonna pray together out loud. So if you repeat after me, Jesus, I need you. 
thank you that you are my savior. Thank you for your forgiveness. Today I accept that and make you the Lord of my life. From, from this moment on, I don't live for me, I live for you. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen, 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 amen. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the LifePoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.